There are so many studies currently being done in the celiac disease space, especially here in Australia. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to actually participate in one of these studies? Well, you're in luck, because today my guest will share their experiences of being a participant in the Gluten Threshold Study conducted at Wesley Research Institute in Brisbane, where they are determining what truly is a safe level of gluten for people with celiac disease. That's on today's episode of a gluten-free podcast. Hey, welcome to a gluten-free podcast, the show where we'll be exploring all things gluten-free. I'm your host, Ben. Whether you have celiac disease like me, you're gluten-free for other reasons, or you just want to learn more about the gluten-free diet, then this podcast is for you. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to a gluten-free podcast. This is a weekly show where I talk to people about some really helpful and inspiring things that they're doing in the gluten-free community, and I also share my own story of having celiac disease and being gluten-free. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to take the time to acknowledge the land on which I'm currently recording this episode on right now, and where my family and I have the absolute privilege to live on this, this beautiful, beautiful land. This is, was, and always will be Gundungara country. And the Gundungara people are the true custodians of this land. I would like to pay my respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging, and acknowledge the stories, traditions, and living cultures of all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Also, I am not a health professional in any way. I always say this on the podcast, but I really cannot state it enough. Anytime you hear anything on this podcast spoken by myself or my guests, please always remember to seek out your own personal medical advice when it comes to doing anything to your own health or your diet, because what works for me and my guests on this show may not work for you at all. So please always remember to do that. Okay, let's get into today's episode. My guest on today's episode is celiac dietitian, Christina Richardson. We'll talk about her experience of taking part in the gluten threshold study at Wesley Research Institute, its importance for the future of celiac disease research, and how others can get involved. Well, Christina, thanks for joining me back here on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. Our first episode together was episode 38 on this show, and I encourage anybody to go back and listen to that because you shared your own celiac diagnosis story, and you also provided some advice for those newly diagnosed with uh, with celiac disease. And it was actually one of the most popular episodes on this show. It was, wow. uh, yeah, the fifth most downloaded episode. So there you go. It was a very popular <laughs> one. Every Everybody very much enjoyed that episode. And, uh, and you have celiac disease yourself, um, and you're an accredited... Yeah dietitian specializing in celiac disease so you have a great perspective from someone living it themselves um yeah. and but you when you're not doing all your dietitian work you're taking part in these studies for celiac disease and <laughs> I, I recently talked to uh james davison just before we were recording we just talked about uh all the research that they're doing with the gluten threshold study there at wesley medical research center in brisbane and um and i recently found out that you were taking part in that and i saw your youtube video about it and i thought it'd be really cool to just get you on and hear about your your experience with that and mm. and yeah to, to share that with the listeners so firstly could you talk to us about how you got involved with the the study and the experience of it yeah so i just um i think i just got a received an email from celiac australia or 
I think it might have been in one of their newsletters and I saw gluten threshold study. I was like, I was like immediately like, what's this all about? <laughs> and um, I jumped on there and at first I like I read what was involved and I was like, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> but then several months went past and it, it sort of like simmered in the background. I sort of forgot about it for a while and then I was like, oh, I just, I just got to do it. Um, so I contacted them and said, look, I'm interested. And, um, you know, and they booked me in. It was quite a while before I could get in because um, they're quite busy up there. Um, but I'm glad that I sort of left it for as long as I did because I got to take part in the second cohort because the first cohort had, as James probably would have said, is they had to have one gram of gluten, a, cha a challenge of one gram of gluten, which is a fair bit. Yeah. <laughs> and I would have been very sick on that. But the second cohort is the one that's, you know, it was divided into, um, you know, they either got the placebo or three very small amounts of gluten. So I was really happy that I got to take part in that. Um, yeah, and I was really, yeah, the, what actually happened was so different to what I thought would happen. <laughs> just for listeners, because I didn't ask James this question, just for listeners who are wondering, what does one gram of gluten, what would that look like? Do you know, like, how much of a slice of wheat bread or something that would be? About a third. Yeah. Wow. So okay. one slice of bread has around around about three grams of gluten. Okay. So yeah, that's what people would have been having, or they wouldn't have known because they would have mm. had a placebo or that. Um, but yeah, that's definitely enough to make a celiac violently ill. <laughs> yes. Well, hats off to you for doing it because it takes guts to do that, to yeah. be involved with that sort of research, pun intended. Um, <laughs> why do you think the study is so important for, for everybody that is, uh, that is living with celiac disease? Well, because it's an area of research that we just don't, we have no data on, basically. <laughs> so um, another things that James mentioned was that, you know, the, the study that we all rely on to tell us, you know, what an acceptable threshold of gluten is. I mean, the rest of the world has an acceptable threshold of gluten, which is 20 parts per million, right? Yes. Australia yes. and New Zealand is different in that we, on our packaged foods, we, um, it, it has to be um, no detectable gluten in order to be labelled gluten-free. But in a... Yeah. In reality, you know, we don't just eat foods that are gluten-free. We eat foods that, you know, from restaurants, you know, where they may handle other things in the in the restaurant. We eat at home where, you know, we might have people that are gluten-free or not gluten-free. Um, and we also eat from packaged foods that haven't been tested for gluten but are gluten-free by ingredient. Mm. So what that, amount, what that means is that um, every day it's likely we are still eating a small amount of gluten, very mm. tiny amounts. Um, because researchers agree there's no such thing as a 100% gluten-free diet, you know, unless you live in a bubble and are tube-fed, <laughs> um, you know, you, you're not, it's very unlikely that you're going to have zero. So, and they don't know whether that is a problem or not. Um, you know, they look at people with celiac disease, um, they look at their, their small bowel to see if their villi have recovered after a certain amount of time. And that's really how they try to tell, right, you're doing fine. Like, you know, this gluten-free diet that you're on, whatever you're doing, it's either, it's either good, you know, you might be slow to heal, but you're still improving. So that's acceptable. Just keep doing what you're doing. So, <clears throat> but there is this growing, you know, just, 
just from what I've seen on social media and I've had other health professionals contact me and, you know, there is this growing sort of fear and anxiety um, about the gluten-free diet and what you can have and what you can't and, Mm. um, you know, and how careful you need to be, you know. (laughs) Um, And what that results in is, you know, problems, I think, with, you know, from a standpoint of, you know, people being fearful of food, people limiting their social life and and just gradually and just suffering with yes. um because you know they they're too scared to eat something and that that really um limits their quality of life mm. um and going back to the katassi study that was in 2007 i believe um that was only the only real study that looked at tiny amounts of gluten and what was harmful and since then there's been nothing like there's been a few like really low quality studies that don't really, you know, either not enough people or, you know, it wasn't well controlled. And so that's what we rely on to kind of guess for the majority of people what might be safe. So what they're doing with this gluten threshold study is trying to look at that at a deeper level. Um, And, yeah, it's just it's going to be a great start if we get some answers. Um yes. Like if all of the people react quite badly to all of the quantities of gluten, you know, that's going to give us some answers, okay, or or maybe if people don't react to smaller qualities, maybe we're like, oh, okay, well, maybe there's a a range of sense, maybe there is a range of sensitivities that, you know, people can essentially, um, you know, tailor to their own for their own diet where they'll be, okay, I know if I eat, if I accidentally get a crumb on my piece of toast, you know, that's not going to kill me. Or another person might be like, right, if I get a crumb on my piece of toast, that's really going to do me some harm, you know. And that, that those, those are the sort of answers we need mm. so that people can start to, um, you know, live better lives. Um, and, and the other side of the coin is, you know, if it turns out that everyone um, reacts to very small amounts of gluten, and then that really pushes the need for therapeutics. Mm. Um, yeah. Very interesting. And, <laughs> yeah, and and to know what's actually activating that immune response too, right? Like to when the cytokines are kicking in and you're getting those inflammatory markers in the blood uh, yep. and that autoimmune response is happening versus just symptoms if it's just yeah. symptoms, you know, I, I, granted the symptoms can be horrible, you know, bloating yeah. and diarrhea and constipation, everything, brain fog. Um, and I know when I've been gluten, they carry on for, you know, three or four days, even like it takes me sometimes like a week to improve just, just from yeah. those symptoms. Um, mm-hmm. And that is probably the reason why I would, you know, not mess with cross-contamination. But at the same time, knowing that that isn't doing long-term damage, I think that that's, uh, that would be some really really interesting um, research to to uncover yeah. and and not only here in Australia but throughout the world too so um yeah it's it's awesome you're taking part in this yeah but the other thing is though you know you might um you might not get symptoms and you but you might be showing an inflammatory response yeah Whether or not that inflammatory response uh means you know always means a bad thing because you know we have inflammatory markers arrive from all sorts of things. So that's that's another side of um, the research that I'd really like to, to um, get to know more about, and I, I think they're opening, having an open day coming up, maybe ne- maybe this month if we're lucky. Yep. They did mention it, but these things always get postponed because <laughs> they're always 
not as quick as they want to be, but um, that's another thing that I'd really like to know more about. For sure. Uh, one of my last blood tests, it was about, it, it was a little while ago now, but when I had my yeah last checkup, they actually showed that, you know, my uh, blood levels had come down, my antibody levels had come down. But the one before yeah. that, they were still up a little bit. And even though I was totally gluten-free and uh, yeah, 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 my doctor just said, sometimes they just stay up. Um, yeah. Regardless of you being on a strict gluten-free diet. So that's, yeah, that, that is interesting. That's right. And that's another thing that I, um, it's one of my pet peeves, actually. I'm glad your doctor had the sense to say that because a lot just go, you're still eating gluten. Mm. You know, go and see a dietitian. You're doing it wrong. And then these people are like, oh, my God, like, I can't do it any. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> like I can't be any more strict. What am I going to do? And it, it brings a lot of anxiety. So. I I did have another health professional actually assume that and uh, yeah. and, and basically yeah say that I was um, and yeah it was horrible. It was a horrible position to be in because I was like no there is absolutely no way. But yeah, different health yeah. professionals give health, different health advice I guess. But. Um, yeah, so this getting back to the study, this is a double blind study. So neither the researcher nor you know what's in the pill, whether it's a gluten containing pill or a placebo. So did you, yeah. you were saying before you started this, should I do this? Should I not? Did, did you have a lot of hesitations or feel any worry about, about doing the study at all? Or, uh, yes and no. Like being gluten for me, it's horrible when it's happening, but once it's over, I'm okay. Right. Um, so I knew that there could be, you know, a few hours of feeling like death, mm. but I knew that, you know, it, it's not going to last very long. And I just, it, it, it's a cost benefit scenario, isn't it? I just, yes. I was keen to see what happened. So, um, but yeah, in the lead up to it, I well, actually a couple of months before I started, I did accidentally get glutened and, and just that feeling that hits you. you like, And then I was like, I'm cancelling. I'm not going through this. Like, I can't do it. Mm. But it's, <laughs> it's a bit like childbirth. Afterwards, you forget. Yeah. <laughs> you forget the pain. Do, what are your normal symptoms? Um, normal symptoms. So I haven't been, like, largely glutened for quite a while. Um, but I went through a stage when I was sort of pregnant and breastfeeding where I think my immune system was ultra um, sensitive. Right. And that's that's all I can put it down to anyway. But I just got seemed to get glutened every month. Yeah. <laughs> it happened several times and it sort of formed a pattern that I'd be fine, hour and a half past eating, I'd start I'd just get this wave of nausea and then I I don't feel well. And then two hour mark vomiting. And I'd keep vomiting for hours. Um that didn't happen for ages and then last two times I've been glutened, um, as I mentioned in the video, it's it's been more, it's taken longer. And I think that might be something to do with the quantity. It's been like five hours of feeling ill and then one vomit once and then feel better. And then I might get like a bit of diarrhea or something the next day. Okay. So yeah, it's that's been a bit strange. But with the gluten threshold study, so um, if you watch the video, you'll see I I didn't really react to two of the doses much at all, like maybe ever so slightly maybe felt a bit off yeah. for a little while. And then the third one was probably the worst, but still not really anything. 
And the next day I had diarrhea, which diarrhea is not really something that's ever happened to me before. Mm. So I think, and the other symptom that I had um, was really intense gas and bloating, like, and burping, like just one after the other. So that's sort of allowed, it it was good to know that because that sort of allowed me to um, think, okay, that's a symptom that I get when I have a tiny bit of gluten. Um, so yeah, it was educational in that way. Absolutely. And, um, I, I don't know, (laughs) I, when I think about like people doing the study, I I would, yeah, I, I, I've questioned myself, like whether I would sign up to it because just because my symptoms are so severe, if I was asymptomatic, no problems whatsoever, I would a hundred percent sign up, but I I would go and do it. But yeah, because my symptoms are so severe, I, um, yeah, I, I question whether I would do it, but um, but I know that it, it would be in the name of science and be helping you know the next generations of people with celiac disease as well, and yeah. uh, and th- that's obviously I know that's why you're doing it, and um, and you have a daughter with celiac disease, yeah. Uh, so you have so many reasons to be doing it. Um, what do you think will be you know sort of the outcome for this for this uh for this research i suppose you have to wait until you know oh. it's out there but um what do you think it could potentially uncover just going by my experience i think that there will probably be a small inflammatory response for all doses mm. um they might not i don't know if it'll be enough to pick up on the smallest dose which was 13 milligrams um if it does i'll be I'll be quite surprised. Like, not that I don't think it's happened, but I'll be like, wow, they can pick it up that, that small. And that's actually quite exciting because it also lends the idea to the fact that we might be able to even, like, maybe in the future we'll be able to just prick our finger and go, right, have I had gluten in the last two hours? Yeah, <laughs> kind of like a diabetes test. Yeah, sort of, like, mm. or even a, a daily or weekly thing, like, just detect, do I, am I actually taking in gluten? Yeah. Like, those people that are unsure whether they're doing it right, it might be just, you know, down the track, it'd be exciting if we could just do a seven-day skin prick, um, sorry, finger prick test, okay, no antibodies showed up in that. You know, obviously, that's going to be way, way down the track, but it is exciting to think about the possibility of that in the future. For sure. I think there is actually maybe a blood test that's able to um, detect that. I'll have to double check that. I'll definitely fact check that. But I believe there's uh, some, or something that someone's working on perhaps in the US. I'm not sure how, uh, you know, official or yeah. um, whether it's been through, you know, uh, all the correct protocols to be out there on the market. But I think that, that I think that when you're talking about might be an antibody test. Yes. Yes. Be- no, you're right. It wouldn't be anything to do with the interleukin two. No, no. Um, but yeah, I think that one it's it's not it it's sort of not as accurate as it needs to be. Okay. Yeah. At this point, yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if uh if listeners are really in you know looking forward to hearing you know more about this study or they're wanting to get involved, would you yeah. encourage them to participate in this in, to be in the next cohort? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the quicker they can get people through, the quicker we're going to find the answers, right? And everyone wants the answers. <laughs> All of us. I yes. don't know. with celiac disease who would not be interested in this. So um, you do need to live in Brisbane, though. That's the yeah. only thing. Yeah. And okay. be willing to travel to a hospital 
um, for three visits and basically spend the day there, which is a little tricky with kids, but um, <laughs> I just signed my kids into after-school care and, yeah, picked them up at the end of the day. It was fine. And you found that entire experience pretty easy? Did you find it good dealing with the, the different health professionals and the nurses and the food you had oh, yeah. and everything? Yep. Yeah, yep. Great. absolutely. They're great. Hospital food wasn't fantastic, but <laughs> edible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Well, James Davison gave all those details of how participants can get involved in the study and uh, on episode 62, so the listener can scroll back to that episode if they yeah. uh, want to hear the details on that. That's towards the end of the interview, the details there. Um, yeah, but look, lastly, I'm asking every guest this this year, uh, this one last question. The gluten-free genie is granting you one wish, not three, and allowing you to change one thing about celiac disease or the gluten-free diet. What is your wish and why? Oh. Sorry, I put you on the spot there a little bit. <laughs> wish. My wish would be for them to screen for it on a mass, like mass screening. No vote for that. <laughs> I shouldn't be nodding because it, this is a podcast, so people's just listening by audio. But but I am I am nodding my head very much. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. Um, only because I've seen so many people suffer throughout their lives mm. undiagnosed, and it might be you might think, oh, but then I'll miss out on all those years of being able to eat gluten. But Children, if they're diagnosed early, have much better outcomes because it's just something that they get used to. You know, they don't have to go through years of, you know, nutrient deficiencies, um, which affect, you know, their schooling. It affects their, their mood. You know, they can suffer from um, mental health issues. They can have stunting in their growth. They can have pain. They can, like, it's just, and then the things that happen later in life, like people, finding out that they're infertile or, you know, yeah. it's just this. <laughs> I'm really passionate about this topic and I I just wish that they would be able to mass screen for it. I was interested to hear um, about the thing they're doing with kids' teeth. Um, yes. And I think that will be really successful and a really good way to screen kids. Um, yeah, my daughter actually, when her adult teeth came through, they were really, really yellow and that she's got just got, yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping that since we diagnosed her early, you know, obviously it wasn't before those adult teeth formed, but I'm hoping that the enamel will be able to form. I don't know much about dentistry, but I'm hoping it will be able to improve because otherwise she's going to be set up for a lifetime of bad teeth. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's my one wish that it was – celiac disease would be screened for on a mass-based, mass um, scale. Yeah. Great wish. Great wish. And 100% concur. Um, look, thanks for sharing your experiences with this study. And I'll be super keen to see what the results will show. Like I'm sure everybody is. Yeah. Um, once it's all finished up. But uh, yeah, before I let you go, can you let listeners know how they can connect with you online? Yeah, sure. So I'm at celiac disease.dietitian everywhere. So I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Um, I've got my own website and I'm also on YouTube. So same handle everywhere. Um, and yeah, if you'd like to send me a message or see that how I can help you with the gluten-free diet, um, I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Thanks, Christina. And uh, let's chat again soon. Yes, love to. 
Thanks so much for taking the time to join me here on a gluten-free podcast. If you're enjoying it and think someone else would too, please share it with them. Also, I'd really appreciate you giving a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you're listening on. You can find me on Instagram at a.gffamily or send an email to aglutenfreefamily at gmail.com. I'll add all this info in the show notes. Until next time, bye for now.